Episode 41, German Franchise Chiropractor Holds Nothing Back. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Dr. Kenneth Chilson Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to episode 41. I'm sure you noticed the change in the graphic. What do you think? Now, I'm still going to have specific show notes with travel photos, but then I'm giving the guest both the lab coat style and that one so that they can use it as they want. So as always, leave some feedback. That way I can either make a choice to keep doing that or just do what the crowd likes. All right. So today is Dr. Kenneth Chilson, USA citizen, but now a German citizen. Find out why. He developed his own adjusting analysis system called IntelliSpine. He is expanding to hundreds of offices over the next couple of years and he needs chiropractors. So stay tuned, listen to the type of practice he has. And, and if you're interested, contact him, maybe you can get a job. We also talk about the tour and the tick and what needs to happen so that we don't fade away as a profession. Show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 41. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China, great guest today, because he's live from Germany. We have Dr. Kenneth Chilson, Doctor of Chiropractic. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Oh, very, very glad to have you on. I mean, one of the first questions I always have is, why did you pick chiropractic of all the things available? And then maybe give a background story of how you end up in uh, Germany, because you are American. Uh, no, I'm German now. Yes, <laughs> I, I was American. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, uh, so how did I pick chiropractic, or did chiropractic actually pick me? That's uh, that would be a better question. Um, I could say it's probably not a, a very pretty story. Uh, I got into it for the wrong reasons, and that's kind of a that's, that's not a great thing for uh, um, people who are trying to decide uh, to get into this. I got in into it for the money, uh, and that's not such a great thing. There's some hard lessons learned when you get into it like that. It's definitely not the reason that I stayed, um, but it's definitely the reason that I got into it. So, you know, I was 16 years old when I made the decision. And uh, back then, 1983, there wasn't a whole lot of information about chiropractic or uh, um, uh, the profession at all uh, in any kind of library or public library or, or university library. So all I knew was that uh, I had my my chiropractor, who I knew was a doctor, and, uh, you know, he was doing well, and there was very little competition. There was only two chiropractors in my town at that particular time. You know, at the time, I wanted to be a lawyer, so I just went to the phone book, and I, I looked in the phone book, and I saw that there were nine pages of lawyers <laughs> in this little town of about 14,000 people and two chiropractors. And two I chiros. thought, mm, okay, well, that makes my decision for me. <laughs> yeah. And that was quite a different, uh, once you get into the real world, you're like, oh, okay. So it's not just exactly. as easy as putting exactly. a shingle on there the door. There were some hard lessons learned. I mean, if you're trying to get into chiropractic for the money, you're definitely getting into it for the wrong reasons. Um, you can earn money in this profession, but if not if you're not into it for the right reasons. Right. And then how did you end up in Germany? Uh, well, I had uh, had several practices. I had two chains going and... Uh, um, had uh, three, five, I had five other practices going, and essentially I kind of retired a bit early. 
And uh, so I was born in Switzerland and really loved the European, um, uh, you know, culture and so forth. And uh, when I decided to go back into chiropractic, I just decided that uh, I wanted to come to Europe. And Europe, Germany was the first place that uh, I was offered a job. And ah. Did you have to take an entire family with you? Was that a issue at the time or? No, my, my family, um, my kids were already grown. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't an issue. When we talk about chiropractic, there's all kinds of different specialties that we can have. Maybe other professions don't realize that, but there's niches and there's different markets. So what do you consider your uh, specialty? Well, my specialty would be musculoskeletal correction of scoliosis and uh, effective treatment of low back pain. Do you notice that there's any difference between practicing and America versus Germany, like the perceived value, the, the prestige of being a, a doctor, anything like that that affects the way you practice differently? Um, well, that doesn't in particular affect how I practice, but uh, I can say that in Germany, at least, uh, we have a lot more respect from our medical counterparts than we do in uh, America. Huh. Um, the people in Germany love everything American. They want to experience what it's like to have American health care. And uh, they're not so happy with uh, what they've got here, as w at least what I've been able to see. Yeah, so they love everything American, and they want to speak English with you. And so, actually, I could say it's been quite a bit easier in Germany than it ever was in America. Ah. Do you, do you know German, or there's enough English where you can get by? Yeah, ich spreche Deutsch auch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. I speak German. Okay. Yeah. So the the healthcare field a part of the system, or are you like a, a you know cash pay not involved with the insurance because it's not allowed? Yeah, it's a little bit different uh, in Germany than uh, in in most European countries. Chiropractic is not a recognized profession hmm. um, as a standalone profession. So we we work with chiropractors, uh, uh, which are just in general health professionals. Uh, or medical doctors, uh, physical therapists, osteopaths, that kind of thing. Did you have to get the European uh, boards and all that, or German allow, allows you to just use your American credentials? Uh, you can use your American credentials, but like I said, you still have to work with uh, other professionals. Right. Okay. Because I had looked at um, mm -hmm. working somewhere in Europe before in the UK, and they have their own boards just like Australia. And so it was like, if you want to practice here, you have to take all new boards. And I was like, oh, no, no, I've been out of school yeah. a little bit too long for that. <laughs> uh, well, even that's a little bit interesting. Uh, I've actually just applied for my uh, UK license through the GCC, and uh, that will get approved pretty soon. There's a long questionnaire that you have to fill out, but uh, with enough experience and you show that you know you are able and experienced and, and you know fulfill their, their requirements, uh, you can get a license in the UK. Uh, I got to tell you, in the UK and in Europe, we are seriously lacking for chiropractors over here. Um, we've got uh, roughly 6,000 chiropractors, or I think at the maximum eight, throughout entire Europe. And that's, uh, we've got a population here of 730 million, uh, as opposed to America that has 330 million and 75,000 chiropractors. So, we definitely do not have enough guys over here. Is this something where if you, you know, I don't know about a new grad, but maybe they've been out for like three or four years. They've been associating, learning how to do the, do everything. Is it difficult for us to just go to France or Austria or Germany and 
open up a shop and just try to make a go at it? Or is it kind of difficult to do that? You're certainly allowed to. I guess the difficultness of it would be, or the difficulty of it would be learning the language. Um, you do have to get a work visa, for instance, uh, to come to Germany. Mm. And, uh, you know, we can do that for you. But in other uh, countries, yes, you do have to get a work visa. Uh, you can't just as an American pick up and, and move over here and decide you're going to open a practice unless you have family here uh. Uh, or unless you, you get registered to live here and you have your own money. The German government especially wants you to make sure that you can take care of yourself and you'll have to go through uh, quite a bit of paperwork to, in order to uh, um, get your allowance to work and live here. So they'll, they'll look at those, that, that paperwork pretty thoroughly. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been here now for, or I've been here now for uh, going on 10 years and have been able to figure out how to get through all that paperwork pretty quickly. So That's good. Uh, for Germany, it's not so difficult. But for the rest of the countries, you know, it's kind of hard to say. I haven't been in there. But uh, now that I am European, we have uh, what's called the Schengen Zone. This is where any European can work in any other European country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I could work now in, in France, Italy, uh, in the UK. It doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, as long as you have European citizenship. When not, then, of course, you have to get the allowance like a visa. Right. Yeah. That's real interesting because I'm thinking if there's not very many chiropractors, they might be like, yeah, you know, let's let's get you that visa. We, we have a, a niche or we have a population that could use your services if they recognize it very much. That is a good thing for their citizens. And they're like, yeah, come on in. We don't have enough of you guys. Different in the UK, I can say, especially they already are saying with uh, just 2000 plus maybe 2500 chiropractors there. Uh, that they're already saturated. So um, in the UK, they're at least still facing uh, the same kind of biases uh, that we experience in America. Mm. Uh, in the rest of Europe, not so much, but in the UK especially, they are. And considering that's where most of the actual chiropractic colleges are, yeah, we've got some challenges there. Well, what are you finding that are, are some common misconceptions uh, about chiropractic that you've experienced? Well, I guess the primary thing would be that um, we're considered quacks and we're not educated. And uh, I've heard that my entire career. Uh, in fact, I was taught how to handle that particular sentence, I guess, <laughs> you know, when I was when I was early in practice. You know, in Germany, that's not really too much of an issue now. If you have uh, a diploma of any kind, you know, you have your training, you have a diploma and they respect that. Um, so I've not really experienced that so much in Germany as I did in America. Yeah, I don't. It, it is an interesting statement because they don't just hand out anything that says doctor anywhere in America. Right. Like you know, you've had some sort of board. There's a bunch of oversight. They don't just let you. You're, you know, anybody call themselves a doctor? <laughs> it's like, come on now. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of education that goes into it. The Germans understand that. If you have a diploma, they know how hard it is to actually earn that diploma and what kind of work goes into it. Uh, it's a very stringent system here. And yeah. so if you have a diploma, they completely respect that. And that's why also the medical profession here has more respect for an American doctor of chiropractic than you would actually find uh, necessarily in the UK or in America. And the rest of Europe, you know, other than, than the UK, I would say, is would be very similar. That's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Any other misconceptions? So, I mean, it's really a nice place to work. Is the, you know, that's the issue. You actually have some respect, and uh, you know, you're not having to explain. Well, yes, I'm a doctor. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. In Germany, you're not allowed to call yourself doctor. It's a title thing, and it's very uh, um, political. But call myself Kenneth Chilson, DC, and in parentheses USA. Well, that just states that, of course, my doctor of chiropractic diploma was issued in the USA, but it still has the respect that uh, any other diploma would hold here. Okay, so people understand it's kind of a political thing, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Well, in your practice, what type of patients are you seeing? What kind of concerns are they asking? I get mainly referrals, and I don't have a whole lot of concerns when the patient comes to see me other than they want to know if I can help. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty easily handled. I just tell them, well, you know, we're going to do an examination, and this is what I do. And if I find something that I can help, I will tell you. And if I can't, I'll tell you. But if I can't, I'll tell you where you need to go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm very honest with them. I don't see patients uh, um, for a long period of time or very frequently, simply because the method that I've developed uh, works so quickly. I mean, I used to be, you know, the high the high volume guy. As a matter of fact, when I moved to Germany, I was still practicing that way, and that was still my model. I'd built up one of the the biggest practices in Europe. You know, the concerns were always how much is it going to cost, and is it going to hurt, and uh, uh, you know, yeah, your, your standard questions. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but anymore, I probably pretty much don't need to handle anything. What are you doing now? I mean, if you're not having to. If you're going from like a long treatment plan to kind of a smaller one, and is there a special technique that you use, or it's kind of something that you developed through the years of practice? Well, actually, you know, through years of practice, but uh, it was about four years ago that uh, I, I call it the happy accident. But it was some a couple of years before that I'd had a a, um, a little Turkish girl. She was a patient of mine and had scoliosis, and it was progressive. And when her parents brought her to me, her, her curve was already at about 18 degrees. Mm. And uh, at that time, I was I was the high-volume practitioner. I mean, I didn't spend any more between 30 seconds and, and three minutes with the patient. But this girl, I really spent a lot more time with in trying to figure out, you know, how to help her. And, you know, I did study into then the, the chiropractic biophysics and uh, some other techniques that, uh, you know, made promises of helping people with scoliosis, you know, I couldn't get her better. Hmm. Uh, I treated her for about six months and the, the curvature progressed. I just couldn't get her better using just chiropractic uh, techniques. Yeah. And, uh, so it was a couple of years later when I was uh, in a new practice um, because I was what's called the chief doc, okay, an owner in that particular practice. I was able to spend a little bit more time with patients. You know, I had a patient that I'd been seeing for years, and he had he had scoliosis. The the textbook definition, not the or not the, you know not the medical definition. He had uh, a severe lateral curvature of his spine, but it was functional. Mm-hmm. His left hip was always about uh, four centimeters uh, lower than the right, and on the standing examination, and he always had uh, hip pain and knee pain. Well, on this particular day. I took more time with him because I could, you know what I mean? I was yeah. allowed. So, you know, I was rubbing the hurt spots, you know, as we talked about golf and so forth, treated him for about 20 minutes, had another patient waiting. And, and so I finished up the treatment, gave him the adjustment and uh, he stood up 
and said, you know, for the first time in five years, he didn't have hip pain, back pain, or knee pain. And I thought, well, that's funny. I've been seeing you two to three times a week now for five years. Uh, and, you know, you come because you feel better for a day, which is all you need. But now all of a sudden, you feel better. So yeah. I checked him. Yeah. And uh, his, his hips were level. And his spine was straight. And I thought, okay, what did I just do here? (laughs) So I went to the drawing board and I took all those years of experience and to laying out every curve that I had ever seen, I started to work on a theory as to what was actually causing these lateral curvatures. And I tested and made theory and retested. It honestly only took about two weeks before I made the major discovery and that was uh, the true function of the sacroiliac joint. The theory was basically based on uh, muscle length. Once I figured this thing out, I started seeing patterns. Uh, I've taken it to its ridiculous end uh, where we can actually see which muscles are affected and how they're functioning and uh, what kind of treatment that they actually need. So uh, I would say my, my method, my treatment now is about 95% muscle work, so I say musculoskeletal, Mm. and then very little adjusting. Uh, I have adopted or adapted uh, several techniques into one for the low back to handle disc uh, herniations, uh, in particular types of curvature, basically use the body's own biomechanics to remind itself what normal is, and uh, it works like a charm. So it's more than just a little rubby here and a little rubby here and a stretch here. There's definitely a, an entire system of like how you're evaluating which muscles to actually release and, and all that. Uh, that you have to follow. And uh, most people actually fall into the same pattern, but there's about 2% of the population that goes completely outside that. Well, me being a perfectionist, uh, I'm not happy with 98%. I, I took it, like I said, to its ridiculous end. Actually created a program called IntelliSpine that has all these findings uh, programmed into it. So basically you just put in your, your functional findings from the examination you would normally do, and the computer then evaluates the findings that you put in and will tell you, okay, here's the muscle involved, and this is the step that you need to do, and you know, so it will it will give you about maybe 30 steps to get a patient uh, from in pain and unlevel and curved to straight. And, uh, you know, that happens in about one to five visits. So I don't normally see patients. So you're not doing all 30 at one time then? No, 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 no I will. Oh. I will. That might be too much for some people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of times a patient will get off the table and be a little bit dizzy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, realize that sometimes you can overstimulate the nervous system, but you're also releasing a lot of endorphin and uh, um, lactic acid into the blood. And so that causes a little bit of dizziness. <laughs> you know? so, okay. Yeah. So depending on the acuteness, you know, sometimes I won't do as much initial muscle work as I would normally, but I definitely will go into the biomechanical treatment, the adjustment, yeah. get them out of pain as, as soon as possible. And I have not seen anybody yet where they don't uh, um, respond at least 80% uh, improvement of the pain, the actual mechanical condition uh, on the first visit. Wow. Now, is this a program you, you buy it and then you just punch it in and is, is there a lot of training involved? Is there a lot of hands-on where you have to go to a seminar to actually be able to learn how to implement what the computer says to what you actually have to do? 
It's actually pretty easy. Like I said, it's the examination that, well, I would assume most chiropractors are actually doing anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does require that you know how to palpate. You understand uh, Gonstead listings. Oh. Yeah, you get, you got to know your Gonstead. Uh-oh. So, but that's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to uh, to learn. You can learn it. You learned it. Yeah, once. I mean, really. I mean, how hard it is it is it to figure out PRS? I mean, <laughs> I trained a medical doctor on on Gonstead listings. He got it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> if you get it, you can too. You know what I mean? But, uh, no, you can't just buy the program. Um, it is uh, something that we have uh, uh, decided we're going to open a chain. Uh, clinics that have chiropractors, osteopaths, uh, physical therapists, and orthopedists. And the reason we've, we've gone in that direction is very simply the lack of number of chiropractors that we have available. And so uh, we will do this and put the uh, um, software in the practice. Then we have something that we can reproduce and, and get consistent results. That's very good. I mean, because there's so many techniques out there that that's, you know, like activator impulse. They're always about if you go to this doctor and you go to the website, you can find, you know, 6,000 doctors that, quote, could practice the same way. So you know what you're going to get. So you're referring and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the idea Yeah, behind a franchise is that you have a reproducible uh, um, system. Luckily, and this, this program and, and the method is not dependent on technique. Ah. Um, I mean, if you're an activator doctor, you can use activator. If you want to use Gunstead, use Gunstead. As far as the adjusting technique, the only place it gets a little bit more specific uh, is in the low back, and we use a combination of McKenzie, uh, Logan Basic Technique, and uh, some some Cox. Uh, But other than that, I mean, like I said, it's kind of like an adapted combination uh, of these three techniques together, but it's pretty easy to learn. I've made uh, about 200 hours worth of training videos on this already. And, uh, yeah, and so it's uh, not that hard to figure out. Yeah, Figuring it out and being uh, efficient and proficient in mastering it, that's two different things too, though. Yeah, I mean, when you basically the program is like me standing over your shoulder and saying, okay, now... <laughs> move the patient's legs to the right and push on L5 on the left side and use this line of drive and so forth. Ah. So, you know, it's kind of like a mentor standing over your shoulder, but, uh, you know, you can look at it. The patient doesn't have to know that you're using it or, you know, so, but it's developing into something even a little bit more detailed than that. Uh, We have made contact with uh, a gaming company actually out of the Netherlands and uh, we'll be producing 3D interactive virtual reality software for this. So uh, essentially, we'll be able to build a 3D image around the patient. We will actually use that program then to actually do measurements. And the the examination will change a bit uh, in this particular program. We don't want you not to be a doctor. You know, you're not, I don't want you to not be uh, a doctor and be a technician. What it is, is a solution or a problem that you may be having with a patient or with your results or with your patient satisfaction, it's not going to make a diagnosis for you. That's still up to you. You still have to be the doctor. If someone was like really interested and was intrigued by this, would they kind of need to be a, an associate of some sort with you for like a year in a new, you know, if you're going to franchise it out in this new clinic and then they could learn what they need to? 
go back to the States or somewhere else and open up? Yeah. Um, yes, they would. And as, as a matter of fact, uh, what we're setting up, like I said, is a franchise system uh, where the training will last between two and three months, depending on what you need. Mm. Uh, the thing is, if you know how to adjust a neck, you know, everything else uh, pretty much is cake. So, you know, the training is in the program. All you need to do is be able to read and have even just a little bit of experience and know where the anatomy is. Okay. Well, that's nice. So somebody could actually like, take a summer off and, or if they graduated, they could maybe contact and, and say, Hey, can I do a three month or a, you know, something like that? And, and just kind of learn some more stuff and, and then be able to take it with them. And yeah, I mean, we could do that, but that's not really the model. Our model okay. is to people in that are serious about owning their own practice. And so we will train them. We will set them up in practice. We will show them that uh, they don't have to be a high volume uh, type of practitioner. Mm. We do charge probably more than anybody else in Europe for what we do. But uh, the treatments, again, do take at least 20 minutes and sometimes longer, depending on the patient's condition. Right. So we charge for that. But we definitely do not promote uh, high volume yeah, and so our our model is to give the patients what they need, give them the proper amount of time, and for the doctors, it's to stay, earn a living, learn how to run a business, learn how to actually give a proper treatment, so you don't have to give so much uh, or do so much marketing. Mm-hmm. You can uh, actually have a practice that is entirely referral based. And then we sell the practice to the doctor for you know half of what it's worth is uh, at the end of three years. Hmm. And so uh, this is an online program, so the doctors can continue to use the program uh, afterwards. Very nice. Has it? Have you gotten uh, more locations started, or this is all kind of in the the brainstorming, and we're going to be implementing it stage? Well, it's not in the brainstorming stage anymore. We have the plan. We uh, actually. Open the first office next week. The second office will be open then in about three weeks. Oh. Uh, I'll be training four doctors. Yeah, and uh, over the next uh, four to six months, uh, we will open exp- exponentially. So, congratulations! Um, we will have doctors that, thanks. We'll have the the doctors that we just trained uh, train new doctors. Of course, we'll have the supporting uh, videos that I've shot and blogs and the and we promote. Uh, um, Interoffice office support. So, you know, if you have a question or you have a problem, always call one of the other docs or you can call me or get online and check the web for the answer. And, and we'll have a, a, a video there for you that you can watch. The whole thing is about support, but I also am not so, oh, I would say I'm not so arrogant to think that I know it all. And I know people have their own talents. Right. And so we want to learn from those that we hire. We want to we want to teach those who we hire, but everybody has different experiences. My, diff- my experiences were different than yours. And you might have a, a different way that you understand how to adjust C1, for example. There's a fellow on, uh, on our uh, um, chiropractic practice support forum group on Facebook uh, and his name is Tiger Suzuki, and uh, he's really gotten very deep into the particular types of understanding about the neck and the and how C1 works, and, and he does amazing things. And I'm not saying that our program doesn't handle those particular issues. We handle low back issues probably better than anything, but I'm a I'm a Logan guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, that's basically what my training was in. But that's also, you know, the, the number one healthcare problem in the world today is, is low back problems. 
that's what I that's what I went after. But you know, I would love to have guys come in that uh, do the Palmer package and understand chiropractic biophysics and you know to work together and improve the system. So it's always based on getting a better system out there and, and giving a full care package. Yeah, because there's a lot of you know low back pain is number one, neck pain, headaches that's number two. So. And like you said, if you're attracting low back patients and you're referral based, you're probably going to just have a lot more of what you're, uh, you know, specializing in the low backs. That makes sense. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So for my own practice, of course, I don't do any advertising whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I've had to tell patients, please don't send so many people to me because I'm kind of busy building IntelliSpine at the moment. So I can't, I I don't have the time to see you. You know, they respect that to a degree, but uh, still I I get more referrals than than I can handle. Give me a month. We'll have a couple more locations and then we can just rock it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're all scared that, that Dr. Tilson's going to leave leave Cologne, you know, and, oh, what am I going to do, you know? I'm like, listen, I'm making a system that's reproducible, you know, saying <laughs> so you can get the same results as soon as I have a, a chiropractor or somebody who knows how to adjust a neck trained in the system. There we go. <laughs> what kind of advice do you happen to have for uh, new doctors or a struggling doctor who's maybe been in practice for like six or seven years? Any Any advice? Well, let's let's split that into a new doctor and uh, a doctor that's been in practice for six or seven years. Okay, a new doctor. You mean a student graduating or somebody who uh, has already opened their practice? I guess I think that's almost one and the same. Like the guy who's maybe getting out of school and is like, I, I want to start my own practice or do I need to associate? You know, what's what can I do to be successful from day one? First of all, I would say trust in yourself, trust your brain. Don't jump at the first opportunity that comes along. There's a lot of opportunity out there. If I were to look back and see, make a decision based on the experiences I had, I would say open up your first practice yourself as soon as possible. (laughs) You know what I mean? But keep your overhead low. Uh, that's the problem. Everybody thinks, you know, when they get out of school, they have to have a big fancy office and, you know, the most expensive x-ray machine, like that's going to impress anybody. Uh, I mean, unless you're in, in Hollywood or, or someplace, you know, where that type of look is, is what people want. It's been my experience. People don't really care how fancy your office looks. What they want is to get better as fast as they can with as little money on it. Of, of the pocket as possible. Yeah. So you can offer that and you can keep your costs low. What's low? You can keep your profit high. Well, it depends on the area that you're in, but I would say you can keep your costs to no more than 2000 a month. Really? You know, that includes rent, yes. So, I mean, if you have to rent a single room and do everything off your, your uh, cell phone uh, for your booking and your scheduling and not have any employees and not have that kind of responsibility and use efficient marketing uh, like uh, Facebook ads and in-house lectures and so forth, mm-hmm. that's what you should do. You've got to keep that overhead low. problem most students are facing uh, is these, these unbelievable student loans that they have. They're just so astronomical. And, you know, when you understand that uh, every year they go up, let me tell you what, you're paying interest on your interest. And that's incalculable interest. And uh, what people don't realize is that when you consolidate your loans, they no longer become real student loans. The terms change. And so you can't stop the interest from accruing. 
my recommendation would be on that is to stay uh, registered as a full-time student somewhere, even if it's in a cheap community college where you just take uh, eight to 12 hours or whatever they consider the full-time and your student, and, and don't consolidate, okay? Your student loans then will not gain interest. They just are in limbo. And so as you earn money, as you keep your overhead low and your profit high, use every bit of that money that you can that you don't have to have to live on and pay down those student loans. It's like a 0% interest loan. You couldn't do it any better and you can pay off your loans then in a couple of years, maybe two or three years, as opposed to having these things be a monkey on your back for your whole life. So that's that would be my recommendation to a new student is to, number one, keep your overhead as low as possible. That's actually our business model uh, to not be big and fancy, but to actually be cost efficient so we don't have to stress our staff and our doctors. You know, we don't have to we don't have to see two or three hundred visits a week or a thousand visits a week. We can get by on 60 or 120 visits a week and be extremely profitable. And I like that, but you said you can just rent a room because I, w- I always think you have to go out and get a 1200 square foot office, build it out, do all those different things. And like you said, that's when you have $100,000, another extra 100000 200000 building out plus the rent. And you just, now all of a sudden you got a really high overhead when you could have just started in somebody else's office or whatever for a year or grow out of it and actually have a base. Exactly. Just rent from another chiropractor, you know, be an independent contractor. Right. Or or if there's a physical therapy officer, you know, if that's legal in your state, if there's some place that you can find that is just an office space, just a room, that's all you need. Um, when you start to get busy, you, of course, you're going to have to have some place for your patients to wait. So when you when you rent that room, consider uh, that maybe you should have at least a very small waiting room enough for, you know, two to three chairs in it and uh, really nothing more because you're going to ha- handle your business yeah. in the treatment room. Any, any uh, comments about staff, how to find good ones? How do you train them? Any, any nuggets of wisdom for us? The staff that you hire is going to be dependent on your practice model. Now there are high volume practice models and there are our practice model. Mm-hmm. Our practice model is you have a receptionist. You don't need anything else. You and a receptionist and your receptionist would, would only be part time. And actually have three part-time receptionists. That way, if one of them is sick or one of them is on vacation, you always have somebody else to cover. Like I said, it kind of depends on your your practice model. If you want to do high volume, uh, you're going to have to have a lot of staff. Each position has its own particular personality mm-hmm. that uh, you would want to hire for. Of course, your receptionist, you want to have somebody who is uh, dependable and responsible, somebody who will be there, somebody that you can trust that is not going to walk out with the money in her pocket. You know, right. uh, that's happened so many times, you know, so what's, what's the best one that you can hire? Well, that kind of, it's kind of hard to, to actually say, yeah. you kind of have to try one piece of advice that I can give when you're doing the interview is to look into the eye. If the person will not make eye contact with you and cannot answer a question relatively quickly, regardless of what the answer actually is, this actually tells you the person is not honest and that they can't think on their feet. And if you're going to have a high volume practice, 
you need people who are honest and can think on their feet. And these are, are just two little tricks that you can do uh, during your interview that uh, will, will give you that. Of course, if you have uh, marketing people, you want the type A personality, but there's plenty of type A personalities that are not dependable. So you have to look at their work history. Uh, you know, if they're getting fired a lot or they're jumping from job to job to job, they're probably not very dependable. So, and how do you know if you got a type A personality? Well, that's the person who walks in and uh, does the interview, and you just want to go to ha lunch with them. You just, you know <laughs> what I mean? You just want to hang out with them for the rest of the day. That's your type A personality. But you want to have other personality types uh, that you want to hire for different positions. In your front desk, you don't want necessarily to be that, that type A really go out and get them type of person right. because you're not going to be happy in that position for very long. You're going to have to move that person into the marketing position. More of a quickly. social butterfly. Yeah. My particular business model, I just want somebody who can think and somebody who is dependable and will be there. But I also am realistic enough to know that, you know, not everybody is there for the same reasons that you are. So really it's going to depend more on you than it is on them. So you have to plan that uh, people are not going to be as responsible as you would like. Plan around that. So it's called training. Uh, hire three-time receptionists. You know what I'm saying, yeah. as opposed to one full-time receptionist. Yeah. Yeah. Then if you find out that the other one's better, you can just like just let one of them go and then do another hire and just keep keeping the best people too. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a good reason to let someone go. You know what I mean? It yeah. could be that they just would fit better in a different position, maybe doing something else. Insurance billing person, if you accept insurance, well, this is the person who's going to be the workhorse. You know what? They show up, they're there to do a job, and they're very methodical about how they do things. You know, they're good at math. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? You're going to want to look at little clues like that. So, you know, if you have somebody who's not happy or not working out, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to fire them. It means that uh, maybe, you know, you need to look at yourself and look at your organization and see where maybe they would better fit. And when you show that you're trying to go above and beyond for them, they'll go above and beyond for you as well. That's very true. Thank you for that information. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're going to have some amazing five-year goals based on IntelliSpine. But between the five-year goals and what gets you excited for the future, anything you want to share on that? Well, uh, okay. So my five-year goals, uh, that's to have 1,700 practices open in Europe and 10-year uh, goals, uh, the rest of the world. So <laughs> those are my actual goals. What actually gets me excited about this is, listen, I've, I've been in chiropractic now for going on 27 years, and I've seen us take so much heat. And I know why we take the heat. And, and anybody who's a chiropractor knows why we take the heat. You know, I can't say that uh, we're right. I can't say that we're wrong. But what I can say is we're losing. And what I would like to do is make us win. And if that means that we have to change our model to some degree, that if that means that, that we have better cooperation with the other physical medicine specialties, then that's what we're going to do. Because we as chiropractors do have something to offer. And it is as good as any other health profession, but we have to survive. If we keep going the way that we do, we're not going to. And my system, at least, will keep us alive. Now, there are other specialties out there that I praise for, for doing the jobs that they're doing. 
the functional medicine, the musculoskeletal guys, the guys that are not preaching something that somebody else can't understand, mm-hmm. right? My dreams for the future is that we survive and that we are actually completely accepted by all the other medical professionals, uh, professions, and uh, we're actually held to that same degree. And so it's survivability and it's evolving. Would you say that um, a pet peeve of yours are all the tours talking the tick a little too strongly? Do you you know what I mean? (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. And I would say yes, that's a pet peeve. Okay, when you're going to be high volume, that's okay. That's okay to preach that kind of thing. Like I said, doesn't mean we're wrong, but we got to do a better job at proving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only guys that I see actually proving what we do, honestly, are, are the guys that are, are doing the, the quantum physics of what we do. The only problem with that is then it's too early for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and you don't get the same kind of consistency that you should. Um, so it's going to take a very high level of practitioner to actually get consistent results with what they're talking about. You know, that's, I appreciate those guys for what they're doing. They're proving the subluxation to some degree, but uh, they're still calling it subluxation when it's something completely different and Ooh, from what luck. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So I can say, yes, that's one of my pet peeves, but we have to adapt. We have to change uh, our model. And we have to offer something with a reasonable explanation and with proper, consistent results. And, and that's one of the reasons that I wrote Intelligible. Do you think there's any word that would mean aberrant motion and, I don't know, receptors that just aren't firing correctly? Like, I don't know if there's a word out there that encompasses all of that, because that to me seems like more what we're doing than a subluxation. Yeah, you would want to call that subluxation, uh, certainly. Yeah, I would call it uh, aberrant biomechanics. I would not call that a subluxation. There's a reason for that, and to group it into uh, something called subluxation is nothing more than creating a new syndrome. So you might want to call it the subluxation syndrome uh, as a group of symptoms or a group of, of uh, altered biomechanics that maybe you can now redefine subluxation as with and take out the, uh, you know, it's causing nerve irritation, which makes my my stomach not function properly because that's clearly not uh, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm going to step on a few toes here and uh, don't really want to do that. However, uh, I can say you need to be able to tell the truth and, and come from the heart and know what it is that you're talking about and not just regurgitate someone else's rhetoric about what they think it is. Mm-hmm. You see, if you're going to use the word subluxation, we better give it a different definition. I think sometimes that's a challenge is we, we're starting to really learn what's going on, you know, deep in the science and nerve tracks and all that kind of stuff. But having to take that and translate it back into something that a patient understands that doesn't just deer in the headlights, but still they can understand it where they say, okay, so that's what's going on. That's really kind of complicated. So that's why you guys are still around and it works so well. You're like, yeah. Yeah, we certainly have our challenges with that, but I think we also should not uh, underestimate, uh, underestimate the intelligence of our patients. Of course, there are people out there that will never get it, mm-hmm. but uh, I think we should not underestimate the intelligence of our patients when we explain something about why they're having the back pain, for instance. That's all they want to know. They want to know why they're having the back pain. They want to know why their knee hurts every time they they walk or why does their knee hurt every time their back hurts. 
Yeah. To go into the history of chiropractic <laughs> and so forth is doing nothing more than, uh, you know, trying to get, convince them to stay on a long-term treatment plan or high-frequency and high-cost treatment plan when you can actually deliver the same result without having to go into all that. Yeah. We're, we're talking too much and not doing enough. And uh, I think that's the, the biggest problem why we have such a PR problem. I mean, if you go into the Internet uh, at any time today and you type in chiropractic and look at the first page of everything that comes up, why would any patient ever go to a chiropractor once they see that? So you need to do something that is not going along the lines of what they're preaching uh, against on the Internet. You need to offer something that gets such dramatic results that your patients don't even go to the Internet. And, you know, when, when your patient uh, goes to her husband and says, hey, you know what, this is the most amazing thing mm -hmm. in one treatment, I felt 80% better in my second treatment. I have no pain whatsoever. And now the doctor wants to see me again in two weeks because he just wants to make sure that the thing is not coming back. The husband's not even going to look in the Internet and look up, what, well, what is it about chiropractic? And say, okay, I'm going to go down to Dr. Chelsea now and get my back fixed because she got her back fixed. We're making it too difficult. And when you only have to go a few times, the fees aren't going to be, you know, you're not looking at a $6,000 bill or a $5,000 bill. That's helpful, too. Yeah. And so when people understand and appreciate what you're doing because of the results you're getting, yeah. you don't need to sell a lot and have them coming in that frequently to keep your, your uh, income high. Your income is going to be high anyway. Because of all the referrals that you get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it doesn't need to be so hard. Just do a good job. Right? Agreed. Well, let's switch gears. I know I want to respect your time. We'll switch gears to the more personal part of the interview. You sound like a really busy guy. Are you able to take any vacation? And if not, what can you do to take more? Well, I could say certainly uh, um, while I've been in Europe. I take at least six weeks uh, a year. Um, but in the last uh, four years since I got into this, I take maybe 30 days uh, a year since I got into this. But I, I think the, the time off uh, is very important. But, uh, you know, I, I do my relaxation uh, very efficiently. You know, you take vacation, uh, at least the way I see it, not to actually just run out and, and do a bunch of cool stuff, you take your vacation to recharge your batteries. And that means relax and ponder and think and let your body heal. I do that in Zona. Yeah, we have a sauna. Ah. Yeah. Um, so we have saunas here. When you go through this, this process, you go sit in the hot pool and then you sit in the Zona and you sweat and you lay on the, the uh, uh, couches and you know, you can meditate and so forth. You can really regenerate your body pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, I, I have to make my my vacations as efficient as my work. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I typically get up about four o'clock in the morning and I work till about eight o'clock at night and come home, have dinner and go to bed. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, you need a time. So you, you have to. Yeah, you got to be efficient in what you're doing. But uh, certainly the goal uh, is to have more free time. But at the moment. Um, my my purpose and my goals are a little bit uh, lofty to take too much time off. Well, thirty days is not too bad either as a independent chiropractor business owner. I mean, that's that's pretty good, I would think. 
Let me tell you what, if you could do that in America, that would be great. I can say I took about 10 days of vacation uh, in 17 years in America. Over here, it's a cultural thing. In America, it's not. And so I can appreciate now at least being able to take a vacation. See, the problem that you have got in America is you take a vacation and you don't know if your practices are going to exist when you come back. And if you hire somebody else to come into your practice and and look over it, well, you're going to have to pay that guy and only half the patients are going to come anyway. And when you get back, you know, your patients are going to be mad at you because that guy doesn't do it just like you. Uh, you know, so. This is the reason why I ask these questions. <laughs> yeah. In Europe, it's completely different. I mean, the whole cultural mindset is built on relaxation, uh, having a balance. Doc, you ever close? So, you know, if you close your practice for a, for a month and you come back, your practice is still there. They're glad to see that you're back. That's good. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Volunteering, hobbies, anything that... Uh, it sounds like IntelliSpine probably takes up a lot of your time, but have any anything else that distracts you? Well, I wouldn't consider it a dis- distraction. Uh, hobby, yes. Zona. Okay. And uh, I, I learn as many languages as I can. So, uh, so at the moment, guy. I'm studying Spanish and Italian uh, together. Um, I'm fluent in German now. Um, after that, I'll move to French, and uh, we'll see what comes next. How long did it take you to learn German? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm still learning, I could say. Well, you know, you know. Uh, I think if you're not a native German speaker, you don't ever speak it properly or perfectly. Uh, I mean, unless you're just a genius. And, and, uh, but proficiency, you know. You know unless like... you have a real knack for the languages. I, I find the Latin languages so much easier than German. I mean, uh, I didn't even really even utter my first real sentence that I thought of until I'd been here for three years. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not one that... I, you know, they say after you learn your second language, the rest of them come easier. And I found that to be very, very true. Huh. But that first uh, foreign language you're going to learn can be pretty difficult. Yeah, man. Significant other, spouse. Is there anything you can do to keep the love alive and, and feel connected? Honestly, there's nothing I need to do to keep the love alive. I've been with uh, my, I'll call her my girlfriend, but my, my life partner now for six years. Uh-huh. Uh, I can say it's the best relationship that I've ever had in my life. She is completely supportive of everything that I do and and very adult, I can say, Mm. Um, meaning that there's no childish expectations of the other one. We're very realistic about uh, our particular situations. I can say that there's no one particular thing that you can do. I think that if you really love someone, that you really are in love with someone, there's not a whole lot that you need to do. You constantly are thinking about the other person and what you can do for that person. It's not about you all the time. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a change in your own mindset to consider the other person is what will keep the love alive. That's a great answer. Any kind of morning routine that gets you grounded for the rest of the day? Yes. Well, uh, I do this routinely. Uh, I get up in the morning and uh, the first thing I do is... Uh, make a pot of coffee, mm. sit outside, and I learn uh, Spanish, English, and German for two to three hours. Uh, I answer my emails and my social media, um, whatever that I need to do on there. I, I answer uh, uh, questions on Quora. Mm, yeah. Um, and I do that for an hour or two. And uh, then I get ready and I go to work. <laughs> so, you know, so uh, like, for instance, today, I mean, I do this sometimes as well. I'll, I'll get up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning as opposed to 4. 
but uh, you know, if I get up at four, then I, I go to work by nine, and uh, I've already put in a good half a day for my hobbies. <laughs> Absolutely! Wow. Hey, Cura, yeah. I, I answer a couple of questions on there too. It's kind of like a ninja marketing. Do you do you agree with that? Well, it's uh, you got to use it properly. Build uh, what's called your search engine optimization, which means you got to put some something regarding yourself and, and your website in there if you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I did it mainly start to improve my writing skills and uh, to offer something. You know, yeah. I always have something that I feel like I can offer to somebody else, and it was kind of addictive as you, you know as you start to create answers and, and people you see that people are reading the answers and so forth. I really got pretty heavy into it from January till about the middle of March, and I, I don't answer so much uh, every day, but uh, yeah, I've answered maybe 200 and so questions. Oh, wow. And, uh, I've maybe done seven. Get, uh, I get about, <laughs> yeah, about 2,000 or 2,500 uh, um, views a week. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like random people follow you. You're like, oh, you like my answer. All right. Makes me want to do it some more. Yeah, I don't have so many followers, and that really wasn't about it And for me. No, you know, no. It was about offering something and, and offering uh, some help to people. I can also use that uh, for my website, the answers that I created, and uh, make attachments then to my website. And that builds, uh, like I said, back into SEO. There you go. You got any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you love to, to, to look at and recommend to others? <laughs> well, do I have to tell you how old I am? <laughs> It sounds like you're pretty old. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to tell you, you know, when I became a chiropractor, we didn't even have internet at that time. You know what I mean? I so uh, I'm not so much into electronics. I, I love this uh, uh, cell phone that I've got. It's got uh, all kinds of neat little applications on it and so forth. But, uh, you know, that's Duolingo. Yes. Uh, that's a cool little app that you can learn uh, uh, new languages on and, and you learn pretty quickly with it. As far as, as books, I mean, without trying to sound pretentious, my my uh, um, hobby or my, my interest really uh, when I was young was history, and it's what I was very good at. I happened to pick up a book a couple of years ago um, called War and Peace, and I thought, okay, I'm going to read this book because everybody expects you to read War and Peace. Yeah. turns out that it was really kind of a cool book, and it was a lot. Uh, it delved very deeply into the history of uh, the Russian uh, kingdoms and uh, how they interacted with the rest of Europe, and, you know, that it's nothing like uh, what it is today, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. Russia was like, like a regular European country uh, at some point, you know what I'm saying? And so it helps you see other cultures and understand history in a way differently maybe than you've been taught so i would say maybe more in peace uh, of the books that i have read at least in the last five years would be my favorite okay i tell you leadership made leadership matters when you talk about like russia changing to what it is today you know yeah yeah sure does you know well how can people find out more information about you uh well you can go to my website i have several actually uh one of them is uh www that uh, in my my partner hates it when I say www. I picked that up from George W. Bush. <laughs> it's, it's not even necessary. I don't think anymore. Everybody knows it's www. <laughs> it's uh, intellispinesoftware.com. 
And the other one is ChilsonSpecificMethods.com. Now, these are two separate uh, websites that have kind of been blended into one. The reason I have multiple websites is because the the changes in the business models that uh, I was trying and, and practicing, the Chilson specific methods is geared more towards the the actual method that I developed. The IntelliSpun software is about the program and about the uh, um, uh, franchise system. Then, of course, we have my own personal website that is basically just a communication pathway between my patients and myself. Any closing remarks? Anything that we uh, we missed that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we are... <laughs> We're expanding very quickly. We don't have enough chiropractors in Europe. Please, call me. Okay, We need as many chiropractors as we can get. We need to change the systems over here, especially in Germany. It's not an accepted profession at the particular moment or recognized profession. I mean, it's accepted, but it's not recognized as a standalone profession. The only way we're going to change that is to offer proper chiropractic care. The only way we're going to do that is by getting guys to come in, offer it so the public demands it. It's the only way we're going to change things here in Germany. I'm sure there's some other uh, European countries that are the same way. I mean, it's kind of like we were back in the 30s, you know. So the only way that we're going to to change is by uh, expansion. Give me a call. Send me an email if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for a different type of system, something that is not so stressful, something that is not so expensive, contact me. We're going to be opening up in the next year uh, 94 new practices. We don't have the doctors. We need them. Okay? Real quick then. Comp- I mean, I don't want numbers, but as far as compensation, people can come and they'll say, hey, I can make a living. I can I can have a you know a life that's 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 going to be good. I'm not going to be a poor popper like some of these uh, chiropractors in America do. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, yeah, true. OK, so you want to know what to, what the offer is that we're we're I mean, if you want to give it those, those type of details, you can. Other than that, I was just trying to be vague about it. Like you're not going to be poor, you know, like you're, you're in school and you're not going to make any money. Well, during the training phase, which is, like I said, two to three months, we'll be offering 3,000 euros per month. Uh, then it will go to 4,000. We base our raises, and it's not bonuses, okay? I don't believe in the bonus system. I've been on those myself. Mm-hmm. You get unrealistic goals, and, you know, the bonus comes, and then, you know, you did all this extra work and got paid very little. I want to give you something secure. So the raises that we give, are based on performance, and performance is based on patient satisfaction. We calculate patient satisfaction in two ways. Number one, we see how many referrals, unsolicited referrals are coming in, and we look at patient retention. Patient retention, we expect to go down 20% per year. So uh, we don't count that against you, but what we look at, at is how many patients from when you started are still patients. Yeah, and our goal is to maintain at least 80%. So when we get to 80% retention and 80% patient satisfaction, you'll be earning 9,000 euros per month, which is pretty significant. My goal is to get you there within 36 months and then let you buy your own practice with the money that you've generated and not be in debt. And I'm assuming you've got systems in place so that you know how to retain these patients so that you can reach these bonuses. I mean, these milestones. Yeah, actually, exactly. So part of it does have to do with how you 
speak with patients and how you carry yourself. So we do have some challenges there, especially for, um, I would say, the younger generations that have grown up on the computer and, <laughs> uh, you know, they don't have a lot of uh, social skills because they haven't needed them. They can, they can hide behind a computer and uh, say and do whatever they want. You know what I mean? So when you come in. 36 months, though. <laughs> yeah, 36 months. So we do have training videos uh, that you can watch. We will be having uh, um, weekly training sessions, uh, not only for the uh, receptionist staff, uh, but for doctors as well. Yeah, so my goal is to get you to own your own office and earn a decent income without the stress of today's model that was developed in the 80s. Uh, that just doesn't work anymore. So I want to show you there's a better way. You can actually do it. You don't have to feel so stressed in this profession. You guys are doing something fantastic. just have to do it in a way that's smart, not hard. Dr. Chilson, Dr. Shen, is that correct? Dr. Shen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a fantastic day. I really appreciate you you coming on. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Dr. Chilson, thank you so much. I can't imagine what it would take to create my own system and then to put it into some kind of computer program. So hat tip to you, sir. And you learned the language. I've been here just uh, three years, still haven't really learned it enough, but you did. So congratulations on that as well. And I look forward to following you on Facebook and kind of keeping track how things are going. I appreciate your honesty about aberrant biomechanics and how to turn this profession around to keep it relevant and to keep it growing with all the other professions out there. DrPerspective.net slash 41. Travel tips coming up next. Thank you for listening to the podcast, A Doctor's Perspective. Thank you for writing reviews on wherever you listen to it, ranking us five stars, hopefully. Listen, you all know I got a book out. I've been working on a version 2.0. Right now, if you buy it, send me an email with the receipt, and I can send you five bonus chapters. It'll just be this long PDF, but we're going to have some nerve stretches, creating and executing a budget, ways to cut expenses, optimal calorie consumption calculator fit directly for you, and some ideas about fasting. So if you want some of these bonus chapters before they're released in version 2.0, just send me that receipt via email and I'll get them over to you. As always, we got some t-shirt designs for the logo, uh, for chiropractic. There's also a buy host a cup of coffee, upgraded that. It's on the main webpage. And lastly, stay tuned. A secret project will be coming out. Definitely go to a doctorsperspective.net top right. There are all the social media icons. Pick which one you love to follow most. Friend me, like me, say hello. I'll definitely respond back. Travel tip this week. When you're traveling, especially in a big city that has subways or buses, very big touristy areas, wallet does not go in your back pocket. It goes in your front pocket or in a man bag. And for a lady, kind of the same thing. Make sure your purse is zipped. If you can lock it, I don't know about locking it, but I think um, criminals like to, whoever's easiest, that's who they're going to go after. Uh, I've seen people put their phone in their pocket and it gets picked out of that as well. So um, just be careful in those big crowded areas. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair giving you a doctor's perspective.